You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And Tony Groves. Evening, fellas. Welcome. Today on the show, we welcome rookie Coke Series driver Femi Olat. Review the World of Outlaws race at Cedar Lake and discuss all of this week's hot topics, including Daryl Waltrip and Larry McReynolds in iRacing. Don't forget, GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next Sim Racing League, currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. Hey, Mike, I just wanted to jump in here for a quick second. Now, I uh, I did not update this one here for a very good reason, because when we uh, started with GridFinder, we did this current ad, over 80 iRacing leagues, and that was roughly about four weeks ago. In that time, they're just about to break uh, 150 iRacing leagues specifically. I don't have the numbers uh, for all the platforms, but um, they've almost doubled in in four weeks for iRacing leagues. That's awesome. I hope we have something to do with that too. <laughs> hey, one more thing, guys. Um, I actually uh, ordered one of the GridFinder calendars, and if I'm not mistaken, they're still available, right, right, Tony? Uh, yes, I believe so. I believe so. I I actually have my GridFinder calendar sitting right beside me. Uh, it turned out really well. I'm quite pleased with how it looks. A lot of road cars, and I'm not a road guy, but uh, uh, the, the pictures are fantastic. Quality's good. Gridfinder.com. Okay, and with that, we're going to talk to Femi Olad, our special guest. Welcome, Femi. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, well, thank you for coming on. So you're uh, a rookie to the Coke series, and so we want to get to know you a little bit. So we want to invite you in and see uh, uh, how you got to this point in your iRacing career. Um, so let's go through it. So uh, let's start with the first question. Uh, when did you first hear the word iRacing, and what did you do about it? Uh, I think I first heard about iRacing in 2012, and it was off of YouTube. And uh, at that time, I was only racing on NR, but not like competitive online in leagues and stuff. It was just, you know, something I did with my friends for fun. And then in 2013, a couple of my friends that I raced with for a very long time on Xbox ended up getting iRacing, and they kept talking about it over and over and over. And, you know, I would watch them race on twitch every friday night in a league called nordgar and then i ended up coming onto the service a year later in 2014. 
Uh, interesting you bring up Nordgar. That was one of my original leagues that I actually ran in. I ran in that league uh, back in the day. And uh, what's interesting is uh, several of the drivers from Nordgar are actually in the Coke series today. Yeah, I I guess a lot of them came, are moved from Nordgar to this league, Sim Racing Authority, which is where I pretty much got my you know feet wet in uh, iRacing. And so the competition was really stiff in that league. And like you said, a lot of those guys ended up being past Coke drivers or current Coke drivers. And I guess I'm just the next one now. That's right. I remember Sim Racing Authority kind of took over when Nordgar went away. And, uh, well, very good. Uh, we already have a connection there, Femi. Uh, tell us, what are you running besides, uh, you know, the Road to Pro, the Pro, and the Coke series. Uh, I mean, what else are you running besides that? Like official hosted league? Uh, these days I don't do too much official anymore. You know, uh, I just, I, I did a lot of it for a while and, you know, just slowly but surely I've just been moving out of that and just sticking with leagues mainly. Uh, I race in a couple leagues right now and, you know, it's, it's good. It, this competition's really good. And it does. It did help me prepare for Road to Pro in the Pro Series, and it's gonna still continue help helping me prepare for, uh, you know, Coke. Yeah, looking at your stat page, uh, you're mostly an oval driver. It seems uh, your winning percentage seventeen percent. That's a really good number. But the one that really jumps out at me is your top five percentage, forty nine percent. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I, th I took a took a big leap one year, and then I guess my you know, stats like that have just kind of stayed pretty consistent, you know, some improvements in some areas in a couple of years. All right. Well, very good. Um, do you run any other Sims besides iRacing or is it just exclusive to iRacing? Right now, I'm just exclusive to iRacing. I think here in a couple of weeks, actually, I'm going to dabble into a set of Corsa a little bit, you know, just to, you know, play around with other Sims, see what, you know, what's the difference. Could they help me in iRacing and whatnot? And just a little bit like that, but mainly just iRacing for now. Okay. And we like to ask about the current NASCAR package. Uh, does the current package uh, suit you better than the old one? Uh, you know, with the, this, you know, tapered spacer and you're always on the throttle and that kind of thing. Uh, do you like that or not? I think for the fans, you know, it's good to watch, you know, both on iRacing and in real life. But for me personally, I would take you know, a low downforce package with 750 horsepower, but I would, my thing would be 900 and low downforce, you know, pre you pre 2014 and all that 2015, I guess. Uh, that's just, I feel like the driver has more input. And when that's, when that's the case in both iRacing and in real life, it's just, in my opinion, a better product overall for the drivers, for the fans, you know, everybody involved. I think, I think when you start to cut the horsepower away, you know, yeah, the the racing could look better for a couple laps, but you know it's just it's just not as good as it could be when you have to wheel the car consistently over the course of a race. Okay, well let's uh, switch gears and talk about your hardware setup. What kind of wheels, pedals do you have? Uh, gear shift, uh, computer uh, rig. Uh, what do you got set up there? I currently race at a desk with a Thrustmaster T300 wheel and Logitech G27 pedals, which have been giving me issues for quite a while now. So that's also really another positive of making the Coke series. I'll be able to, you know, work with a couple people and try to 
upgrade my stuff, you know, to make me more competitive. Uh, my computer, it's a uh, kind of your typical i5 8600K uh, with a 1060. You know, it gets the job done in iRacing, and I play other games too, and it, you know, gets the job done in those other games. Uh, if I felt like I needed more performance, I'd, you know, definitely look at upgrading the GPU. But, you know, it gets me by for now, and I'm comfortable racing at a desk rather than like a full blown rig because it just gives me more room to maneuver around, move around when I'm not on iRacing. You have any trouble with the seat moving or the pedals and when you're sitting at a desk like that? Honestly, no. I just, when I'm racing, I just end up getting into a zone where, you know, like I'm just focused on, on the car, you know, that I don't even move that much in the seat or that my pedals don't move either. So I guess that's why I'm able to find that zone and get into that, you know, area of space where I'm just focused on what I'm doing in the, on the track. Well, that's amazing that you don't move around while you drive. I flop around like a fish, and I, I think I'm about ready to break my seat at any moment. It's it's funny, though, because I can never sit in the same position twice. Like, it's always different because my desk is a little slanted now. And so when I mount the wheel, it's never in the same place. When I sit down, it's never in the same place. When, the pe when I put my pedals down, it's never in the same place. So it, it's kind of weird in that sense, but you just adjust to it really quick. Now, is this the same equipment you've been running since the beginning, or have you switched throughout the years? I just switched to the T300 this year in the summer, and I got to say that was a huge improvement because before that I was using the DFGT with the same Logitech G27 pedals, and the DFGT is a is a great wheel. It's a great starter wheel, and it did me solid for a lot of years. It's just you know the T300 was is more modern. Um, the force feedback delivery is way more smooth, which helps tremendously, even on oval, you know, the, I know a lot of guys, uh, that race at the top level and, you know, even a bit below that, they prefer to use no force feedback on ovals. But in my experience, upgrading to the T300 and just the way everything is delivered has helped me become faster overall and more consistent for sure. And are you running force feedback on or off? Absolutely. I, okay. I I use a lot. I use a lot, uh, probably a lot more than most people would want to use. I, I keep it below the clipping threshold, but I definitely rely on the force feedback a lot. All right. Very cool. What about visually? Uh, what are you looking at? Are you have monitors, triples, VR? I'm just rocking, you know, standard 24 inch BenQ monitor, 144 Hertz though. And I guess that's the most fancy part about it. Uh, yeah, just, no standard monitor. One monitor. Uh, I would like to go to triples relatively soon because with this package, like we said earlier, you know, everybody's going to be closer together and I'm going to have to be more aware of what's happening in a pack. I, th I feel like I'm pretty aware now looking left and right on a single screen, but I feel like I'd be more comfortable if I was to upgrade to triples in the future. Absolutely. So I understand. Let's talk about your team a little bit. Um, I understand you're with Dead Zone and... Uh, Boy, a bunch of guys over there. Uh, tell us how you got involved with the with Dead Zone and uh, and and how how it's going with those guys. So I originally joined Nexus Esports in late 2017. Ran with them for a couple months, and then the team kind of disbanded. And a lot of the people that I ended up becoming close with on Nexus came over to Dead Zone, and they put in a good word for me. And you know, I just 
over time started going into team speak more talking more and then i joined the team in early 2018 mid to early 2018 and i've been here ever since and honestly i wouldn't want to go anywhere else because this is just we're such an amazing group of people and you know it's i've developed friendships that extend outside of iRacing to other games so i don't have to feel like i have to go into team speak and it's like oh i'm gonna you know do a job or i'm coming to on iRacing to act as a job i come on iRacing to have fun and those guys bring the fun as well in iRacing outside of iRacing you know just all around it's a it's a great environment to be in okay and let's see if i can get this right so it's you and Alan Bose and Steven Wilson, who made it, right? From the Pro Series? Yeah. Right. We have we have others that dropped from Coke, went to the Pro Series, and made it back into Coke. But I think the ones that came from Road to Pro all the way to Coke are myself, Alan, and Steven. Okay, very good. Uh, how many total do we have in the series then? <laughs> a I can't lot. even count them. There's so many, right? <laughs> there's, so, there's so many. I think we're, we're over a quarter of the field for sure. I think I want to say 12. I'm going to say this 12, one. right? Yeah, I'm not going to try to name all 12, but yeah, you guys rock out there. And uh, it was certainly fun to watch you guys in the pro series. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you mentioned leagues before, is what you're running when you're not in the pro series. So, what kind of what leagues are you running? I do Sim Racing Authority still, you know, SRA on Sunday nights. It came back actually after. A little bit of a hiatus so they're back for the winter so i do that on sunday nights i run in norick on tuesday nights but that's on a hiatus and it's been replaced by full throttle racing which is in the same time slot on tuesday nights and that's really it actually those are the only two leagues three leagues i guess that i run in okay i didn't know sra was uh, back and back and going are they recruiting are they full uh we're almost near the end of the season so i don't think yeah. he's going to be recruiting and I, it's just like a small winter thing like a 12 race consecutive 12 consecutive race season for the winter bobby was probably you know missing owning a league and running more than one night a week so he just brought it back you know for time's sake good old time's so, sake oh so you're you're mentioning uh bobby shaney who's the uh, the founder of that league right yeah okay cool all right well let's talk about uh your road to pro journey a little bit um you know how many times have you run the road to pro was this the first year or uh and how did that go i mean as far as the grind you know the because it the season goes through the spring through the summer it's forever so this was my third year running road to pro but technically my second because this is the only time this is the second time that i you know did the full schedule hoping to make the pro series and uh honestly it was it was rough i i started off well in 2017 you know it was my first year running open setups for a competitive series like that and i made top 20 that year went to the pro series and i infamously hit the barrels at homestead uh with like less than 15 to go when i was pretty much solidly in to transfer into what was the Coke se peak at the time, you know, the Coke series. Um, so I hit the barrels under caution and then missed it, missed the top 20 transfer by one point. So that was kind of rough. You know, I was pretty mad at myself, took some time off iRacing and whatnot because I just didn't want to, you know, be on it at the time. 
And then 2018 came and my season started rough. So I just scrapped it and went to be grand bowl and spotter. And then this year, this year went, I would say it, it was, I ran well in the races. I just rarely got the finishes that I feel like I deserved to get, but I ended up getting a waiver, not a waiver, but a couple people dropped out or missed out or couldn't race in the pro series for whatever reason. And it took 22 from road to pro. And I was the last person that was able to get in. So it was rough, but it all worked out. Wow. That's uh, by the skin of your teeth getting in there. Uh, that kind of does work out. This tells you, you know, every day, every race counts, uh, get every position counts, right? Yeah. I, I finished P22 by literally one position and it was only that close because I ended up getting wrecked in the last race with a couple laps to go, but not fully wrecked. And those two positions that I lost ended up being the difference between me actually being P20 straight up and dropping P22. But the, the position I was able to salvage ended up being the difference in me being P22 and potentially being further back. Okay, then the Homestead Barrel story under caution or was that a thing where you were trying to fake getting on pit road or something uh my spotter and i at the time were kind of communicating uh whether we wanted to pit on a late race caution and you know lose track position but have the tire advantage and i asked i was driving on the access road and i asked i was like do we pit here i was waiting for an answer waiting for an answer waiting for an answer and then he ended up saying stay out but by that time he wasn't live on the spotter feed he wasn't live so it was a couple seconds delayed so he didn't see where i actually was so he thought i had a lot more space to you know just turn right and come back on the track you know no issues but by that time i was so close to the pit line and the barrels that when i yanked it right the car didn't turn right at all and i just hit the barrels and trashed the car and like I said, just missed it by one spot. Boy. Well, here you are. You made it to the Coke series. Uh, let's, let's talk about the road to that. You were on the pro series here for six races. I'm going to read off your finishes. You got fourth, second, 21st, 21st, 29th, and then finally 14th. Uh, tell us about your pro series run. Well, the first two races, you know, like you said, I finished fourth and second. So that was amazing. And then... After that, I just had bad luck throughout all the races. And it was mainly, you know, I would qualify kind of bad in the 20s, which it's not kind of bad. It is bad. I'd qualify bad, start way back, and you can't really pass uh, with the way everything is working right now. So I would, I would have race pace, you know, pace to be in the top 10, and I just wouldn't be able to go anywhere. And when I did start moving is when the pit cycle started happening, but there was always a untimely caution that caught me out and it would make me start tail end of the field. And that happened three, four straight, four races in a row. And it was, I, I did end up finishing eighth in points with solid points, but to me, I feel like I should have finished way better than I actually did. But, you know, the end goal was to just make it to top 20 and, you know, be done with it. And we got it done. All right. And then going into that final race, uh, how comfortable were you? I mean, did you know, hey, I got to finish 15th or better or something like that? 
I was locked in going into the final race. Yeah. And I, again, was plagued by troubles in that final race, but we called some good pitch strategy and I restarted 33rd on the final run of the race because we only had one caution and I, you know, was able to get all the way up to P14, which was a solid finish. And, you know, I was happy to just be able to finish strong, finish with a race where I felt like I, I drove well, even if our setup wasn't the best on the track. I feel like I drove a good race to finish off the season. Now, that final run at Homestead, uh, did you, you must have had tires to come from that far back up. Uh, we saw several drivers that actually uh, drove up through there, so you must have been one of them, huh? Yeah, I, I just I felt so good in that race after that pit stop. Um, and I, I mean, I felt good the entire race, but I felt even better after the pit stop because we were able to work on the car a little bit because it didn't take off the best, but... You know, we worked on it, got it to where it could be competitive enough to be able to drive through the field. And I didn't get caught out by an unlucky caution because there wasn't a caution. And because of that, I was able to make up spots. Okay. Well, let's switch gears and talk about 2021. Uh, there's a lot of activity going on for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola series. Uh, we're going to talk to the tell the listeners later in the show about the new teams that have been announced, uh, some teams have left, uh, the front-end teams. And uh, and then we're having a draft and all that. So tell us a, a little bit about that, and what are you doing to get ready for that Coke series? Uh, well, it's funny because an hour ago, I had a deal set and ready to go, but I hadn't signed the contract yet because I was busy. And I got a text you know, a little bit later or a little while ago that, you know, they filled the spot with the second driver who's ready to sign immediately. So now I'm just playing the waiting game, waiting to see who's going to come, you know, try to negotiate with them and just, you know, hope I get, you know, a, a good team to go to. And, you know, once that's all set in stone, that's when I'll be able to work with the guys at Dead Zone and, you know, we'll test for Daytona, you know, try to start off the season solid, but after that, I feel like I'm just going to, you know, do runs till I feel comfortable with the setups that we make and just hope that it works out in the race. Um, my preparation really won't start until maybe like a week from now, two weeks from now, because I'm planning on ordering new equipment, new Fanatec stuff to, you know, try to get faster. That's always the goal. You always want to get faster. You never want to be complacent with your speed. So once I get that in... I'll uh, I'll be doing more laps, you know, trying to get comfortable with the new equipment, and then comfortable with the uh, the way we're going to be setting up the cars for the season. Have you decided on what you want? Are you going to go direct drive or what? I would go direct drive, but I'm not going to have a rig, and I'm not planning on get a rig, getting a rig. So I think I'm just going to go with the club sport wheel, you know, V2.5, and some V3 pedals, and go from there. And I. The, the pedals is going to be the biggest upgrade because right now my G27s are suffering the same fate that most everybody's does, which is you're not on the gas pedal, you're not on the brake pedal, but it's spiking, it's doing something, it's not working the way that you need it to work. So I'm looking forward to the pedal upgrade a lot. You're definitely not going to go wrong if you go for those uh, V3s, man. You'll definitely enjoy those. I hope so. I can't wait, honestly. That's that's going to be so huge. I finally have pedals that work 
properly. You'll uh, also, once you do go with a rig, you'll also find that that makes a difference too. I mean, it's kind of funny. Amateur drivers here are telling a coat guy about hardware, but unless your time is Jeski, I think it makes a difference. It probably would. I, cause I'd be sitting in the same position every time I get into the rig. It's just right now I, I have the space, but I'd rather have the extra space that a desk would give me to do other things, you know, school stuff, play the games, stuff like that. But I def I someday I do see myself getting a rig that's dedicated just to iRacing. And then maybe at that point I'll go direct drive. Well, you are on, you are on triples, right? No, I'm on a you're screen. on a single. One option would be with the rig is get you can get VR and just set it right next to the desk and still have your still have your monitors for for your other games. I've I've heard some stuff about VR. Uh, it seems great for immersion, but according to uh, other people, that's not the most practical thing for outright speed. And you know, outright speed is going to be the most important thing for. You know the coke series but i wouldn't rule out getting vr to just you know race officially in a race leagues in or something like that so I, one more question on the coke draft stuff um is it important to you that you're with a dead zone driver on the front on this pairing on the front end team or that doesn't really matter it'd be cool but it's not it's not like a priority in picking who i signed with and whatnot okay and so let's wrap up with our final question what has been your most memorable iRacing moment so far? My most memorable iRacing moment. I think I can answer that question in two ways. Because most memorable is it has to be hitting the barrels at Homestead. You know, it's not the best memory, but I'll never forget that because of, <laughs> you know, the way everything went down. Um, but my most memorable that would be positive would be probably this pro series uh maybe that's just recency bias but probably this pro series because i finally got into coke and that's i never thought i would you know be able to do that when i first got iRacing. i thought i would just get iRacing, racing you know just racing my friends race for fun and when I, I mean i'm still racing with my friends still racing for fun but i didn't imagine i'd you know be able to be this competitive and now that i i'm in the series i want to make the most of it and do the best that i can all right. Well, Femi, Olat, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and getting to know you a little bit. Uh, good luck uh, this year, um, you know, with your strong standing in the, the fourth and that second, you know, in the first couple of races, the pro, you know, I think you're going to do well. Um, we'd love to have you on again. Uh, go out there and win one for us. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to try everything. Like I said, I'm not, I didn't make the series to just be content with running in the back. You know, I'm trying to, you know, improve every race, just find speed everywhere. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and, uh, and hope it goes well. Take care. Thank you. And I'll always be glad to come back on anytime. Yeah. When you win, we'll try to get you on. Okay. <laughs> I hope, I hope I do win and I'll, I'll be right here. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for coming on Femi and uh, great interview as always, Mike, that moves us on to topics. And I wanted to go ahead and tell you first about schoolyard setups. 
you've heard us talk about them before, and they're a great source for sets. If you're struggling to crawl into the top 10 in Road to Pro, or always in the back of the Xfinity Series, or you just can't find that extra 10th to compete for the wins in NASCAR iRacing Series, visit schoolyardsetups.com to get your race-ready setups for NASCAR ABC Series each week. Enter the rental, or no, the referral code LOUNGE when you sign up and let them know that you heard about them in the iRacers Lounge podcast. Don't get bullied around on the racetrack again. Get your setups from schoolyardsetups.com. Okay, and with that, we're going to move into topics. World of Outlaws, Week 7, Cedar Lake. And it was uh, Round 7 of the NOS Energy Drink World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series brought to you Brought us to the new Cedar Lake Speedway with Hayden Cardwell with a slim four-point lead over Alex Bergeron and Kendall Tucker, a distant third. Bergeron has fast time in qualifying, while Cardwell turns in eighth-place finish and runs away with the first heat, earning him pole position for the feature race. James Eden gaps the field to take heat two, and Tyler Shell wins heat three in a photo finish over Adam Elby. Brian, how about heat four? You with me, Brian? And we lost Brian, so I'll talk uh, Heat 4. It was Zane Scott starts from the pole, but Cardwell quickly clears him on the outside to take over the lead on lap 1. But lap 2, Cardwell jumps the cushion and turn, on turn 2 and wrecks, sending him to the back of the field and J.D. Brown taking the checker. So with the points in the Heat race, Cardwell's lead has already evaporated before the feature even starts, but still having to advance in the B-Main to avoid a complete disaster and putting Bergeron firmly in control of the championship. Cardwell started P4 in the LCQ, took some damage racing for second, but still managed finding that speed to take the win and getting the 18th grid spot for the feature. In the feature event, Alex Bergeron grabbed the lead, fighting off challenges from Tyler Shell, who was running him down from the extreme high line, went on lap 27. He missed his line, hits the wall in turn three, and flies over the fence, but no caution came out, and no fans were injured. To wrap up, uh, James Eden also put some pressure on Bergeron, but ultimately ran out of laps, finishing P2, with Alex Bergeron taking his fourth win of the season. Hayden Cardwell works his way all the way up to P4, averting a points disaster and landing 10 points behind new points leader Bergeron, heading into week eight at the bullring of Kokomo Speedway next Monday night. We'll be getting uh, Brian back with us here shortly. It looks like he's reconnected. I'm going to move us on to the next topic. We have the 2020 year in review video. Um, and boy, wasn't this just an epic video? Uh, lot of really neat things it's, I wish we had had this video when we were when we were doing our kind of New Year's episode but this just summed the year up beautifully um, even to the point where I literally teared up again when I saw Annie's first wind you know there's a lot of other great stuff in there too uh, but you see something like that and you almost get a sense of nostalgia yeah it definitely uh, was a, a tour through 2020 I mean and brought back a lot of things I forgot about, you know, uh, all the new content. Man, they had so much content, and they literally listed out all of it. Um, and then the, they kind of did an intermission I thought was kind of cute where it was kind of a fun thing. I just, like, once again with their their videos and stuff and, and it hitting all the points, like it was, like David said, the nostalgia with, I just looking back at it the whole year, you forget how much stuff they did in, in the year. Like it was, it was crazy what we accomplished in 2020 for what's gone on in the, you know, real world compared to what the virtual world we've been doing. Right. 
yeah, it was kind of odd by all the content. And then, as I mentioned, they had like an intermission fun segment, you know, where a, a cat jumped on the guy's back and he, as he's trying to fix his chair. Um, another one where the dog, you know, jumps up on the guy's lap and he ends up wrecking, you know, and just fun stuff like that. It was cute. And the other things, like, uh, if you're looking at all the events that got held in 2020, like, I forget how many things they broadcast when when the uh, pandemic started, like it was, it was really good to, to, to see all the things that we, we enjoyed through, you know, television and stuff like that. And, and what they were able to accomplish that way. I know I had forgotten, uh, you know, we're so NASCAR central with me anyway. Uh, yeah. They did the IMSA and they had the IndyCar guys. And, and then you, you had that big thing with, uh, you know, uh, the IndyCar drivers at the Indy 500 and, um, the F1 driver that was there and it was Landon, great landing castles stuff, right? The big, uh, landing castle events. And, uh, and then somebody mentioned earlier, Annie rabbits winning, uh, her first win and, uh, being emotional. That was kind of, uh, a, a neat reminder too. just seemed like a whole year of, of a lot of just different accomplishments. And then they, they kind of spotlighted some of the sponsor stuff and the awards and things like that too. Like, if you think of all the sponsors that came on in 2020 as well, it, it, it's just been such a great year. And, you know, if anything good came out of the pandemic is, you know, iRacing seemed to, uh, seemed to run with what happened in the pandemic and, and they were able to make something out of it. I think we got more content than we probably, sh- they probably thought they were ever going to do in 2020. Yeah. Especially when they weren't able to go out scanning uh, tracks and whatnot. Um, yeah, and of course they highlight the champion Sebastian Job and and Nick Ottinger, and of course you know Nick being all emotional when he won it, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to watch. Thirteen minutes too. I mean, uh, I know they it was released late on uh, actually New Year's Eve, uh, almost at midnight is when they got it out. Yeah, I was gonna say we we just missed the podcast with it uh, that day. I think David would have just published it on online just before this actually popped. So we already talked some SRX uh, speculation, maybe hopes and dreams. SRX. Yeah, uh, for those uh, that aren't in the know, the SRX is uh, Tony Stewart and Ray Everham's uh, new racing deal that they're going to be uh, debuting this year with. Uh, just a quick six race season, but pulling in, um, well, it's a bunch of superstars because that's what it is a superstar racing experience. Um, some short tracking, uh, small fields, but you know, high horsepower, low downforce cars. Um, and they, they talked a little bit about that, uh, last year when they, I think that's when they, uh, broke the news was late, late in the year, but, uh, that's coming up this year. So the, on the forums, uh, Tyler Stooksbury was just curious if iRacing might be getting it. Um, kind of cool. I don't think we would see it this year. We'll see if maybe if it uh, catches on and it's not just a flash in the pan. Hope not. Sounds good. Um, but I'm not even sure if they they have the if they've posted anything up uh, f- concrete about what the cars are even going to be like uh so working modeled cars anyways yeah Yeah, they're all sorry mike they're all renderings that for the car i don't think they've had anything physical 
or even like I don't think we've seen a CAD drawing or even a, a reveal type thing for it yet. But they are. Um, I can't see it being something that they couldn't scan real quickly. And I don't think Tony Stewart uh, probably would have a problem with them scanning it eventually, since it's not something that they're trying to, you know, it's not a manufacturing thing. They're making their own car. Right. And um, these are kind of set up like the old um, IROC type cars, right? Where all the cars are all are very very similar. There's not a lot of adjustments to make, so it's not like they're hiding any kind of secrets or anything like that from from one car to the next. That that it should be a, a problem scanning those. And Tony Stewart has been um, a part of iRacing for a while, so he knows about it. And man, it's iRacing gives so much good uh, publicity for the series as well. It would uh, it would also help in that 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 vein. I know one of the one of the tracks that they had uh, original that it, they have been looking at was Five Flags, so that's a track that's already in the sim. So I think a lot of the tracks they're going to be doing are already in the sim, so that's not an issue either. Um, yeah, in the superstars of drivers, I, I, I want to mention uh, they did get a TV package. It's going to be on CBS, a national broadcast. Tony Stewart, Tony Kadon, Mark Weber, Willie T. Ribs, Paul Tracy. Helio Castro Neves, Bobby Labonte, and Bill Elliott. You wonder down the road, like, I know uh, if you start seeing some, like, past champions, like, if this, like, uh, catches on, do you think you see uh, maybe, like, someone like Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson down the road, uh, maybe Dale Jr. hopping on and trying it? Well, good point. I mean, they, there are some retired drivers in that list. Bill Elliott, obviously, Tony Stewart, so... Yeah, uh, Mark Weber. You know, um, it seems like it is a, a retiree kind of playground, but uh, I, it's really cool to see Mark Weber uh, and, and get some of those F one guys involved. Yeah, as for like you know them bringing into i racing, I if this thing catches on fire, uh, I think the the likeliness of it is is you know pretty huge, but I I kind of look at what happened with um you know rally cross and they're kind of they, they sunk all that time and effort into it and it's still good like it's still going they're still making it work and everything like that but there's a lot of you know a lot of hiccups there when you had a branded series that just completely folded um not too long after they they brought that out that's a good point you know do we want to scan a car that might disappear after one year you know um, then they have to figure out how to keep it going, you know, and then you got to have tracks for it and a series for it. But, and, you know, just to like, Tony's probably pretty dead on there because it, it's, if it's six, if it's six, six races, like it's, and they're like back to back week, every week, like it's going to be here and gone real quickly. It's not like it's something that's going to be, it's like a flash series in the s- summertime. Right. Right. Well, we'll see. Uh, there's definitely speculation of people in the forum asking, hey, can we get the scan? You know. Yeah, talking is good. Talking is good. Let's see those guys, uh, you know, make something out of this. You know, more racing is we're, we're the ones that benefit from it. Um, so let's let's hope it becomes a thing. Let's hope they put these cars on there. You know, from the from the drawings, the cars look really cool. Uh, 750 horsepower, you know, like probably basically no downforce um sounds like it'd be fun i mean be something i'd be willing to put in a wall is is this a little uh 
uh, touche at NASCAR, you know, with the low downforce, high horsepower that we were just fe- talking with Femi about, uh, which we kind of all long for. Probably, a, you know, probably a little bit like, hey, you know, watch what us old guys can do. All right, guys. Uh, so speaking of seeing what you can do, um, YouTube broadcaster Jimmy Broadbent. He's a broad uh, YouTube broadcaster. He does a he does a lot of uh, uh, sim racing stuff. Well, he got the chance to take a spin in the, in the BMW Motorsports Center's super, super top of the line manufacturer simulator. Uh, so he posted a video. It's about like uh, 12, 12 minutes long, where it, it, uh, he goes to this uh, BMW. BMW uh, complex, and uh, they take him to the simulator, and he gets to drive it around uh, the track for a couple of laps. And boy, man, talk about simulators! It's it's even hard to call this thing a simulator. It's so real. I mean, the cockpit is the unibody cockpit of the uh, of of the car. It's the whole car with all the buttons. Everything's you know exactly like it is in the BMW uh, and the BMW car. And uh, the 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 screen is actually like a, a IMAX wraparound screen, so it's it's completely wrapped, submerged in the uh, in your view. You know, there's no monitors per se. Um, so yeah, so he um, he gets to drive it, and uh, after he does a couple of laps, you know, he goes back into the little control room that they have, and they kind of uh, they go over the, all the data of his laps and uh, show him. They can show him with the data where where he can improve it prove and um, make make adjustments and uh, he goes back in it and uses their uh, uses their input to uh, to drive a few more laps and actually uh, increases his time there was actually a BMW factory driver there with him um, I forgot who it was but um, he was uh, wound up being within one second of of his his time on the track so um, yeah he, he he was a I guess all of that uh, Sim racing really helped him out when he got in this thing and uh, was able to, to to be pretty impressive uh, to the uh, to the guys who were doing the um, controls and uh, analyzing the data. They were pretty impressed with his performance in that. And the title is a million dollar sim racer, uh, sim racing rig. Uh, it's amazing looking. It looks much like the Chevy one that we've seen before. Uh, you know, Chevy has one in North Carolina, and it looks similar to that, the way it's designed. Full motion and everything. The car chassis is identical, like you said. Uh, huge wraparound screen. It doesn't, it's not iRacing. It's some kind of proprietary software, obviously. It's such a, like, the experience where he's looking through the windshield and seeing off to the side, he can see with that wraparound screen is, it looks, you know, it looks it looks and feels so real. I'm sure uh, while he's looking, uh, while he's driving it, but Jimmy's always been fast, so it's not doesn't surprise me that he's not that far off of uh, the uh, the times of uh, pro driver for it because uh, he you know he races with a lot of other F1 guys and stuff when uh, they do like the 24 hour events and stuff like that. You you got to think that that wraparound screen with the projection is the ideal setup. I I mean uh, when you look at these million dollar manufacturer sims i mean they're all doing it that way well and to get sorry david go ahead you're not gonna see that that very well though with a hans device on your your vision is limp and how much you can turn your head is still very limited yeah you're right David, because he was actually in full gear with his helmet and uh and hans and everything 
So yeah, he was he was in the same gear you would be if you were actually racing the car. Makes sense. I think the uh, the other thing is is it's to get the data from from them and tell you where you need to you know where you can pick up some time right right on the spot is was is such a an awesome thing to uh, be able to experience too. Like I would, you know, could you imagine, you know, if you just turn in here, like a little bit more, like just to know exactly, you know, throttle tracing and braking and things like that. It's so, uh, it's so helpful. And I'm sure it'll even translate to more stuff when he comes back and races too. Well, there's an option for that. There's a couple of ways you can do that within uh, iRacing as well with telemetry where you can really find I've gone back and looked at your laps to try to find out why you smoked my rear end so badly at, at Sonoma, you know, in that cup car. But uh, And I did find a couple of things that found me some found me some time as far as breaking points, how much wheel you're putting into it, etc. And um, when I was watching the video, one of the things that they commented on when they were analyzing his uh, performance was that his braking wasn't hard enough. And and part of the reason why, as he said, is because the brake pedal in there is so realistic, you have to use so much more pressure than he would normally use in his sim rig. So, uh, so all the pedals apparently are, are very realistic as well. So, you know, that's just adds to, to the realism of this amazing simulator. Well, I think the difference in a racing setup, like obviously they're, they're simulating how the brakes would feel on the car. I know, uh, I would think in, in real life when you're braking with, um, with the setups that they have, like braking setups, the, the pressure forcing the pads back while you're pressing on it is a lot more in a race setup because of the heat generated and everything like that. Like that's, you're fighting, you're fighting the physical nature of the pressure between the pad and the rotor, um, pushing back and that, you know, they got to try and simulate that feeling too. It can't just be what you know, we're feeling when we're, we're driving our, you know, with normal pedals. I know he runs hydraulic pedals, I think in, uh, in his sim setup, but yeah, that they would have to try and simulate a harder pedal because of real life physics. I guess it'll move on to the next topic here. Um, he, uh, do we ever find out Mike, if, uh, we were the first ones that found this? I know no, we we're not. Uh, somebody, okay. uh, I think found it the first day is what I was told, but I thought it was cool because I found them. Yeah, so we posted up uh, on the Irishers Lounge Twitter page that uh, <laughs> that we found Dale and uh, Steve at the new Super Speedway, the Irishing Super Speedway, uh, chilling out in the uh, crane. Um, so it's kind of uh, neat. We got the nice picture of showing them. Um, they're the uh, they're the same pictures of on at all the tracks, aren't they? Of them holding their hands up, or they got different uh, pictures. Like I've never gone and looked for them. Um, I think it's the same because Dale Jr. looks pretty young in that photo. <laughs> well, it's probably what from two thousand eight, right? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Skinny, a little skinnier than he is now. But uh, yeah, what happened? I was at the iRacing uh, Super Speedway and got wrecked out, like you often do there. And I was just sitting there frustrated, and uh, I started playing with the camera to kind of find a good spot to watch the race. And um, I'm trying to find, well, where's, you know, it's from the blimp, you really can't see the track because it's so freaking big. And and I was like way up in the air trying to, you know, get a, a, a view where I could see everything. 
and I like spotted that crane just outside the the grandstands. Now, man, that'd be a good spot to watch the race. So I went to go park myself on the crane, and boom, there they were. They're inside the little uh, part of the crane at the top. And, uh, yeah, I got a few p- photos and put them up on the Twitter. You give us this next video, too. Yep, I did this one, I think, the same day. Um, and I call it the epitome of 2020. 2020 is kind of a rough year for uh, most people. Um, and I ran a race that kind of summed that up, but basically I'm in the pro fours at the wild west. It's lap one. I get around the first big hairpin corner and just barely clip the wall and the thing rolls on me and the whole back end axle comes out from underneath the truck and goes off to the left side of the truck. Um, the wheels are still there. They're still spinning. And I try to drive away, and at the time when I'm in the car, I, I, you can't really see exactly where the, what happened with the axle, but the thing wouldn't drive, man, and I ended up having to park it. But, boy, uh, what about that damage model? I was going to say um, NASCAR is asking for the rule book from, uh, what was that, 2012 and on when they used to crab walk? They used to <laughs> put the axle off to one side like that. I well, think... Uh, I was hoping this had. I was like, this has to be Pro Four because it was a Pro Two. How in the world would the thing still have any power to the train? Yeah, I was four wheel drive, and that's how I was pulling it with the front wheels. But once I got the car going, the, the axle like kind of went straight up into the air, and the it was on the rim of the tire was dragging, and that kind of threw me off to the right, and I ended up wrecking again. I was gonna say you definitely stretched that suspension way out, and that. Dry, that elastic band of a drive axle is uh, definitely not going to be working. I'm surprised you still have a fender on that. I, I think they changed this. I mean, I think that I hadn't run this truck in a long time, and I thought it was a lot more durable than that before. And so they must have done something to change it because I, I was surprised at how fragile that was. But in real life, you don't want it breaking like that in general. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if you see that very much in real life breaking like that because obviously it'll fall off. But maybe it's something on hints to a damage model thing that they're trying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that this truck is necessarily. You would say that it has the new damage model necessarily. I don't think so. Well, you guys remember last week we had that picture of one of these trucks at um at the iRacing Super Speedway and the like. It was all completely out of skew. Um, the the uh, the axles were like off the dis in the distance. It was really strange. Um, I, I don't know if maybe it's like just something they've been working with with the pro trucks, you know, to uh, to show that axle coming off, and you just went a little haywire at iRacing Super Speedway. But maybe it is part of some new damage information that they're getting. Could have just been just even a glitch where it thinks the truck's sitting in a different spot than it actually like it just could be the the it the it's registering the truck somewhere else. it's it's a hard thing to probably explain but it just it's just it's so funny to watch I, I've, over and over here on the broadcast of just watching it, it's funny i'm just surprised you're able to get it to even move dug into the ground the way it was yeah when you're in the cockpit you have no idea what happened to the truck and and just trying to drive off and I was thinking I would be able to just keep going, but no, it was toast. I was going to say in VR, we could get our, put our hand out the window and maybe shove it back under, right? 
If you turn your head to the left, I wonder if you could see it because that whole axle was way off on the left side of the truck. You probably could. Those trucks wouldn't have a side mirror on it. No, they don't have a side mirror thing at all, do they? I don't think so, no. Well, one place where we definitely don't have the new damage model is the NIS series. But what we do have is SimSpeed to cover NIS for the 2021 season. Are these the same guys that covered it last year? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they'll be broadcasting the top split um, along with VRS. I guess for, VRS is sponsoring for them. Um, who knows? Maybe, well, actually, I'm not go- I don't need to go there because that's the next topic. I was reading ahead as well. But um, it would be interesting to see. Uh, there were some questions as I was scanning through the forum post asking about where top split would normally be. And that was pretty high early in the season. And then there was a drop off when we got into the fall and that, that number went down, but it's a, they, they put on a good progress or prog. What's the word I'm looking for. They put on a good product. So uh, look forward to either getting to be in it or watch it this year. Yeah. Friday nights, uh, open NIS top split. I think it's awesome uh, that we have a broadcast for the entire season for that Friday night race. I think it brings prestige to that official series. I mean, how many official series are getting broadcast these days? Um, you know, we had the pro, you didn't have the road to pro, but you had the pro, you have the Coke and you have NIS and, and uh, you know, NIS is a great official series. It's very unique because of the length of it. Um, awesome to see the coverage. Not just the length, but the limited number of races. You know, I have, I have a blast running A Opens and or like IMSA races because they're every two hours. But there's only four NIS races, so there there's more consequences in the races. Well, and we hold the NIS series as, you know, the special thing for us to compete Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, or, well, depending on Sunday mornings, depending on who gets it. But that's where you know us as the podcast kind of value more of the racing anyways so the friday night being broadcast trying to make it in and be on the broadcast would be kind of cool i don't think i'll be on that one considering my eye rating but david every once has snuck in it a couple times haven't you david um i think i was on friday night top split four times four or five so guys does the um the broadcasting uh, drive participation in the friday night race do you think no. The thing is, is the participation is, is up at the beginning of the season. It just tails off the further you go in the season. I, I don't think there's a specific day that's more that, you know, having it broadcast at a Friday night. A Friday night would be, I don't know, probably the most that people would be around, right? But um, it, I, I don't see the numbers on Friday ever really spectacular unless it's at like a restrictor plate race or you know, one of those long endurance races. But that was always usually the biggest race of the four races. Yeah, but that never, I don't think that changed over the years of switching to a broadcast. No, it's just the, it's just when the most people are able to race because they can stay up a little bit later. You've got Euros that, that won't stay up on Wednesday night, but will stay up on Friday night. And uh, you get a lot of heavy hitters in these top split NIS uh you know, even Coke drivers, lots of times it looks like a Coke race, you know, because there's so many of them in there. Well, anytime you want to see that, just come out to a open on the Monday night before, the, before the Coke race. Especially if they're at that track that week, right? Like yeah, if it's they, the track that they're running. Uh, they basically turn it into a, a practice Coke race. 
So Tony, are we gonna get uh, those pro? Are we gonna get the uh, Cup drivers to run this Pro Invitational again next year? <laughs> well, uh, this coming up kind of got me uh, a little excited because yeah, we we talked about this uh, last week. I believe it was last week. Um, anyways, uh, Mike Joy, NASCAR announcer, responded to a tweet from James Yoder asking if there would be a return of the eNASCAR Pro Invitational this upcoming year. And he basically just said, well, I hope not, because if they do, then that means uh, the NASCAR has been postponed or interrupted. And we definitely don't want that. And which just kind of leads me further along to believe that this could be a great thing for... uh, the Coke series. Um, and I believe the Coke series still hasn't released their schedule. Nope. So, um, yeah, like that, that, that'd be just an absolute awesome thing. I know there's still a lot of other things that would have to happen in order for it to work like that, but I don't care. That's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking until they start posting stuff that says otherwise, uh, my fingers are crossed. What can I say? So if it isn't the Coke series, what would they broadcast? Could it be NIS? I mean, would that be cool? That would be terrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, we've all been in NIS. Like, we talk about it all the time. Uh, Top split or not, like, it's just, yeah, (laughs) it would be terrible TV. I don't know how it would work logistically because of... You got the paint problems, you know, everybody's got to have a, a approved paint, you know, and uh, I don't know. It, it, you never know who exactly is going to be in the field, you know, because it is an official race, you know, anybody can join. And that, the, the question about it being terrible racing, that that ends up, I, I don't know if I can agree with that, because here's here's the truth about uh, you hear it all the time if you listen to Dell Jr. talk about what he wants differently now as as a broadcaster than what he did as a driver. Um, every driver would love that incident free race. Imagine a race that if an, imagine if a NASCAR race did that. If we watched on on, a, on the real guys run an incident free race, never no yellow right. other than the stages. It would be. Um, the poll that the guy puts out is it not? It's not Glockner, is it? That puts out that that always asks, was that a good NASCAR race Glockster, or not? Yeah, yeah. They would he would they, people would be throwing a fit. So the fans want incidents. The drivers don't. Now that can go too far. But was it was it Martinsville? Where, was it Martinsville that had the the wreck fest this year in the real life? Uh, I was gonna say they've had a lot of they. All the restrictor plate races were wreck fests in real life, but I was going to say any of the pro invitationals, even when they were at the pro drivers, they were some messy races. Look at how the Bristol race went off and things like that. Um, they had some good races, but not, some of them weren't that great. So I don't know how much that would change from you know an NIS race on a Friday night and a top split or something like that. But it is, uh, it is. It's really weird to try and, you know, it's not far off. You'd think that they would be uh, uh, announcing what it's going to be since the season's not, you know, too far off here. 
that pro good point, Greg, that pro invitational, it was so messy at points. They were not throwing cautions when they should have been. I mean, cause they were just trying to get the race in. Well, the I think the biggest mistake there was was having so many fast repairs that there was just no no consequences for the for wrecking. Well, and I don't want to get into incidents or anything like that, but these messy races can be, you know, it's hard to broadcast because what we learned with a lot of those broadcast spaces is they don't want to have a race like that because they've got it a window that they want to only show it and they can't. It's not like a NASCAR race where they just keep going until the race is over and then cut it off. They, if it's it's two hours that they've allotted on TV or the broadcast, they got to find something that they can guarantee that they can get done in that window. Yeah. Well, let's face it: a, a wreck in the sim and a wreck in real life are two totally different things and two totally different amounts of joyness that comes out of that. Uh, you know, speaking as a fan that. Uh, you know, doesn't mind seeing a car get smashed into the wall. Well, yeah, so, that is one of the things that attracts you to to real racing is that that risk of we hate, you know you hate to say it you don't want to see people get hurt, but that is a part of that that spectacular that's a part of the spectacle is that risk of well, of course it's the rubberneck and rubberneck in that accident right. Well, it's like if you go to uh, to watch a stuntman or something like that, or or see one of these great leaps on a um, a motorcycle over cars and stuff. You go there, what is it like ninety percent hoping he makes the jump, and then the ten percent is you know you hope he crashes and burns, right? Like that's there. You're we're all built the same way, kind of for for like I used to watch NASCAR, and when they used to be on the older like when you used to have the older cars. You know, you you get in the corner and they could they would spin out. Nowadays, you just don't have the accidents that you used to have in real life. I mean, look at what uh, with Ryan Newman's accident, and man, it looked like he 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 died in that thing, and then he gets up and walks out of the car. I mean, it, that was great TV, actually. Well, we'll look at F one rising through the flames, uh, right. coming out of a guardrail. Like you know, these are like. These are things that, you know, media lives for too, where, you know, you get, you get your topic to talk about for weeks on end and things like that. It makes good TV. Um, we don't, you never want to see someone get hurt. That's that, but technically we are there to see an incident. You know, the feeling is back there. You just don't want to see anybody perish from it. Then there's like all the reasons that I brought up last week when we first started discussing this, um, just makes another argument why it would like the you know say top split nis just n would not be a good idea for for tv um and maybe i did ask this last week but uh with the with what we currently know about the coke series they run every other week is there another series that runs opposite to that pro to pro yeah but that that's what they've announced that for tuesdays didn't they or are they not announced no i think it moved to thursdays right to be on a different day okay so it's same day opposite week right something like that i don't remember exactly another thing that makes it i think mike already hit this point too but another thing that would make the nis a little bit bad for the broadcast is who is the fills and you know there's we know those names that we just don't want to we don't like to see when they're in that race Right, you know that's gonna that guy's probably gonna wreck somebody, um, 
and it just can't can't be policed the same way uh, a league can essentially. Well, well, if uh, on Friday nights, if the speeds sim speed uh, coverage of the Friday night splits don't uh, bring uh, the drivers to the track, uh, Fox Sports uh, I think definitely will bring drive attendance to that race for sure. And you're going to get all the top guys, you know, probably from Coke and everything else, hopping into the Friday night race if that's broadcasted to you know increase their exposure and which makes me think it's probably not going to be the nis top split most likely coke um and i i hope it's not a coke replay that's uh, my fear actually i don't think that would that would do uh, a lot of the current fans of the coke series a whole lot to have it replayed on friday yeah. night You're probably right what, though what about the thing that the thing that they have available to them this year, there, there can still be some actual cup drivers in those in this event or whatever it is because they don't have Saturday practice. Like a lot of drivers are traveling to the track day of, morning of, right? They're till this till the pandemic stuff and the COVID um, protocols go away. They're not, and I don't think much is going to change from last season. The driver is not going to have contact with their crew. They go straight to their car as they get there. Like, or it, they're going to have availabilities on a Friday night, unless it's the week of like a, you know, Saturday night Bristol race or something like that. They might have less of availability on a Friday night. Well, I'm sure even, you know, like through the pandemic, they've got all kinds of, um, you know, responsibilities like on, on a Friday, you know, a Friday night, like those that are just working on things in the garage or they got, uh, you know, sponsorship, uh, stuff they got to do or media stuff. I'm, I'm sure those guys are pretty busy on a Friday night. I would, I would have to think anyway. Good point. And if I can go real quick back to the initial tweet uh, where the guy asked um, Mike Joy, if it was coming back to NASCAR pro invitational and Mike Joy says, I hope not. Uh, it wasn't because I don't think he had a bad time doing the, the pro race. Invitational. I think it's just because of the connotation of what it means to the actual race season. Like uh, we're locked down for COVID and can't race, right? Right, right. Not like, I hope not, because I don't want to do that mess again. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was just that um, he doesn't want the NASCAR season to be interrupted. Exactly. Yep. Well, and I think uh, Fox would have kind of, um, they kind of lost out for a little bit there. Like, NBC got the end of the season where they got the end championship and things were like rolling. Then Fox had to do things so quickly for that middle section of the season to get caught up. They were part of the, the catch up part. NBC got the more of a closer to a normal season, just didn't have fans attending. Right. Right. We had the midweek mid midweek races and all that. Yep. So they were broadcasting at times they normally wouldn't broadcast like, in Mike Joy's obviously has a contract to do the job and call so many races while he called extra races and then still did the season too. Right. Like it's, it was probably, you know, a little bit more tough, tough on maybe their schedules and stuff like that for, you know, their real life. Well, remember they didn't travel to a lot of the tracks either. They were doing it all from the, the broadcast center. All right, guys. Uh, and with that, we're going to um, check out the next story. Um, this came from a post on the forums from, I'm going to say, Ajibola Laola, 
Uh, I, per I, I apologize if I butchered that name, but he posted something in the forums that um, he's had a blast with the new IR01 car. So that's the new iRacing specialty formula car that he's had a great time at Suzuka and Silverstone. But he actually noticed last week that uh, there's been a sharp drop in participation since its introduction. So, and he was kind of worried and asking, you know, is this series dead already? Uh, well, Greg West, along with some of the other uh, uh, iRacing drivers, they, they, responded to him and they basically said that you know it was a holiday week uh it was a track that's fairly unpopular so give give yourself some time they think that it was just a blip in the in the schedule and not necessarily uh not necessarily just a lack of interest in the in the new car so and i think to, i think they're probably right as well um it's a new car everybody at the beginning is always excited anyway um so I, th I think uh, I think it's probably a case of where, you know, it was just a busy week for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, and apparently the track, I, I don't know which that track was last week, but apparently it's one that's not real popular among the drivers anyway. You should never overreact on one week's worth of results. You know, there are always fluctuations. I think David's right there too. Like maybe, you know, maybe another series – had a better track to race at that week that people uh, flocked to more or, um, you know, it, it could be just as simple as it's just a track that's just not that popular anymore. And um, that's what they, that's what they're, they, they found. It's hard to, you know, you don't, you don't want to, um, you don't want to let over react. Like David was saying, it, it's like, it's like if they if we did this in NIS, there's 36 races, but if you look at, you know, you go from Daytona to a road course, you're going to see a drop. I it, I think it proves scheduling is important. It reminds me of my new favorite track, the iRacing Super Speedway. Like literally the week after it was released, I couldn't race it any anything official. They didn't have it scheduled, and you had to find it and host it if you wanted to race it. Scheduling is important. Especially on new content. I mean, you got to keep uh, interest up, especially if you want to get a lot of people interested in doing it week to week. I, I got the up. next one. Uh, Kyle Bush and Will Rogers battle royale um, on the Monday night in the K1 Speed 200K at Watkins Glen. Uh, this is Monday Night Racing League. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was the pro trucks at Watkins Glen. And they showed the last few laps here in the clip. And, uh, man, Kyle Busch was in second trying to chase him down. And and he gets so close. And then that last lap, man, you could just see Kyle just doing everything he could. I mean, he was even cutting the grass, so to speak, uh, trying to get to the guy's bumper. And Yeah, he had to get a slowdown on that last cut. That was He was completely all four tires in the grass. I was thinking that, and he was probably ignoring the slowdown and just, hey, I'm going to try to win it anyway, you know. Um, but, yeah, he, he drove it in there on that last turn and uh, tried to get to the guy and ended up in the wall, I think. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to watch. I was really surprised how well those pro trucks drive on Watkins Glen, being, you know, a dirt truck, basically. Like They're hard to turn. This this would this series you know this race here look at Watkins Glen looks like a, a fun event to try like I want to see these trucks like we were talking about 
where where you could run some extra things with these things like this would kind of be like the long beach you know running long beach or any you know some of the different road courses would be a fun series for it to try if you could get the right setups and get them to handle right but they do look like a handful to drive around there too well there's not really a hairpin at watson's Glen. there's that the hairpin at long beach uh, what a league, though. I mean, Kyle Busch is a regular. Uh, they had James Davidson in there. He was third. He's an IndyCar driver. Will Rogers, of course, uh, uh, famous in the Porsche series. Um, and then we heard uh, just today that they have some uh, guest announcing uh, coming in for this league, Brian. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this Monday Night League, it's going to wrap up on January 25th at 9 o'clock. They broadcast um, everything on Podium Esports. Well, they announced a special guest announcers for that race. Apparently, uh, along with Adam Alexander, Larry, Mc- Larry McReynolds and Daryl Waltrip are going to be in the booth calling that race. And uh, man, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, really looking forward to hearing that call. Boogity, 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 boys. Yeah, that's going to be. uh, Sorry, sorry, Greg. Real quick, uh, that's going to be the race at Homestead, Miami. I'm assuming it's going to be a Cup car, but who knows? If they're racing trucks on Watkins Glen, it could be a a Mazda. Who knows? I I was going to say the nostalgia here with uh, going back a couple years to this tandem as a team. Like, obviously, DW is the only one that's kind of gone away from it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how how DW does with the sim. Larry's actually really involved with uh, PRN now, uh, if you listen to the races on the radio. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun to hear uh, DW. Um, like you said, nostalgia, and especially teamed up with Larry McReynolds and, uh, you know, pull those belts tight one more time. I know his brother's had some, uh, uh, Mikey has, uh, Michael Waltrip has had some experience calling iRacing races during the, uh, during the lockdowns, I think, right? Yeah. But uh, neat to see DW getting back involved. Very cool. The next thing we have is a YouTube series called Game to Glory. It's a series about the Red Bull Sim Racing driver and Porsche Tag Heuer Series champion, Sebastian Job. Or Job. I don't know how he pronounces it. Uh, the first episode revolves around his history in karting, where he then moved on to esports and also becoming a professional sim racer. It looks like the upcoming episodes, he will be getting an opportunity to run with uh, Red Bull in their factory F1 simulator uh, that the real drivers use. I love these video, this video, uh, set of videos, um, and I'm looking forward to it continuing. Like you said, he's going to get to try the F1 sim. Uh, this this guy is a young lad, I, I would say, from the UK. Um, started out with some meager equipment and uh, and just excelled in sim racing. And then he, you know, got serious about it. He won the uh, the Porsche Esports Championship uh, this year. Uh, he indicated that he used his winnings from that to actually buy his equipment that he's upgraded. He got him a SimLab P1X. He's got the uh, SimuCube 2 uh, wheel uh, fully loaded. You know, he's got a really nice setup. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool. They like interviewed his parents and talked about him growing up as a kid, how he was uh, into cars ever since he was a kid. Um, he actually um, he was into karting and he was he was actually really good at it. But I mean, in, in Europe, like high end karting is 
like a hundred thousand dollar operation. And his parents basically said, yeah, there's just no way we can afford that for you. And that's what drove him to esports. And wow, he's probably made out better going through the esports route than he would if he stayed in karting. Yeah, you can get lost in the kart ranks over in Europe, right? Nobody will know who you are. But this also, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd be uh, getting an F1 uh, simulator if if it wasn't for that. Well, and you got to get acquired by a good sponsor at some point there to to back you. And uh, he has Red Bull backing him in sim racing. I don't. Would he get that same opportunity in karting down the road? No, I don't think so. The balance of talent versus sponsorship money is still is is further towards talent, at least in the sim racing. This also reminds me of the fact that we talk about all the time the uh, the similarity between sim racing and real racing. And I just thought of it a, an example: if your your guy that wins the championship in say Madden twenty twenty, uh, he's not going to be going out on the football field and tossing forty yard passes to Michael Irvin, you know. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know any of the new receivers' names. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just saw uh, with the uh, Jimmy Broadband video how how easily he adapted to what the professional drivers are using for their training. So, I mean, yeah, it, you're right, David. It's just such a good um, way for drivers just to complement what their skill with what real real drivers do. Well, and. He gets to run, you know, he was dangerous on his old setup. I wonder what he's going to be like now running on a, a better a better rig and everything like that. And as he gets better um, and adapts to it, like, can, can it, you know, put him that further ahead maybe with the competition? Yeah, I don't know. And that series is coming up fairly soon, if, if I'm not correct it's it's a middle january that's yeah and i'm actually really looking i'm actually looking forward to that i'm gonna gonna watch those races this year and uh and really uh see what's going on um because not just sebastian job uh you know they got so many great drivers in that series it's it's really cool well and that's it's such a competitive car to race to race and the racing has always been um been something to 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 just enjoy like they pick the best tracks and and to run the Porsche. It, it, it's it'll be a great series to see how it, it turns out this year. And uh, I kind of agree with you, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention a little bit more, especially now that um, I'm running more of uh, the roadside too. So we're talking about the you know the comparison between real world drivers and sim drivers. How about this uh, real world driver running that iRacing racing paint, Tony? Yeah, Mr. Uh, three-time Chili Bowl winner, Christopher Bell, uh, tweeted up a picture showing off his iRacing-sponsored uh, midget car, beautiful red, white, and blue. Um, yeah, maybe this will be Chili Bowl winner number four this year. I don't know. I'm, I it, always look forward to that race every year. Sorry, Greg. I always look forward to the Chili Bowl every year. I watch the Tulsa shootouts as well. Um Actually, uh, one of the uh, drivers in the World of Outlaw series, uh, Rogan Lumsey, uh, he actually was in the Tulsa shootout. He races a micro sprint um, car. So uh, I'll look to see if he's in the show. That'll be interesting. But um, yeah, it's it's a fun week of racing, that's for sure. Great I don't, paint job. I, that's what I was just going to say, Mike. Like I, For such a simple paint, it, it, it definitely is, is such a it, eye-catcher. Yeah, the typical red, white, and blue, but... Uh, 
a lot of white with the big old iRacing logo and the word iRacing in the white, which really makes it stand out, I think. They need that guy from last week that had that uh, that rig uh, needs to take it and uh, wrap it like this. Yeah, I've seen, I'm going to say, like, I've seen better iRacing paint schemes, but not to take away from this one, because this one definitely pops. I guess uh, reluctantly ask if uh, the winner of last year's Chili Bowl will run the iRacing colors, because he did last year as well. Uh, but I doubt if he will this year, if you guys know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, Larson. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle you, know, Larson. you can say his name. It's, it's not bad. I know. <laughs> no, but no, he used to race eye racing paint paint as well. It wasn't his uh his uh top sponsor like uh, Christopher Bell, but it was on his car. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to be there. I can't imagine him not being there. It'd be interesting to see what he runs this year. Well, it's we still an unknown if Rick Hendrick's going to allow him to run all these kind of dirt races or not. Um, I don't think that's been said. All right, guys. Uh, so if we uh, step back to the uh, the Porsche series again, Coanda Simsports has announced a new partnership with Lego Technics for the upcoming Porsche Tag Heuer Super Cup season and uh, shows off their new paint on their Porsche car in the Lego Technica uh, paint scheme. And it's a cool looking car, man. What a great what a great sponsor to go along with uh, this series. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Neat sponsor, yeah. I was gonna say this now is my favorite. You know, I'm gonna be cheering on Coanda. This is this is such an awesome. Uh, growing up with Lego and this brand, uh, it, it's such a. It's nice to see uh, uh, something that's kind of you. You wouldn't. You know, we've never seen Lego as a a sponsorship in a, in a racing series. I don't think I, this is the first time I've seen it. But to have it um, done is so well on this car. I. I I can't wait to watch the series with it. It's cool that we're getting mainstream sponsorship on this Porsche series. I, I think that's neat. Well, is that a, you know, it, it could be a, uh, a way to go after a younger audience too, right? Like, you know, they could use Lego could kind of use it on, you know, their platform and, and maybe, maybe this car gets made into actual, a tech like maybe they do a technics uh package this way for people to buy all right uh next up we got a listener email uh john fowler emailed uh help get the word out that he's hosting a daytona dirty monkey 250 to raise money to fight autism february 20th all of the 15 dollars entrance fee will go to the charity they're going to run 100 laps and a fixed setup a car uh, and there are prizes for the top three finishers. You can sign up at this website, johnboy202.wixsite.com. Love autism awareness and uh, what a great uh, uh, charity to race for. You can check the show notes. There's a lot of extra information on there, some really neat prizes, including die cast and uh, pit boards. So uh, check our show notes out on the new website if you want to get more details. Okay, David, that brings us to the big story. Well, iRacing announced uh, some new teams. We've been wondering about this with, you know, with uh, with some teams coming in and some teams coming out. What's going to happen? There's a uh, they've announced the 20 teams that will 
compete in the 2021 Coke Series. And also that the prize pool has been increased to 330000 There are four teams not returning, including G2, Renegade, and VRS. Um, and there's a couple of new ones coming in. Uh, those announced on the next list. Uh, I don't think they are. But um, we do know that e- Elliot Sadler Esports has joined, and a couple other new groups have joined as well. McClare and, and Xset isn't the other two? There's two gaming ones I've never heard of. Yeah, Space Station Gaming. That wasn't last year, right? Right. And then uh, Kyle Larson is obviously gone. Uh, uh, that one it was the fourth one that left. I think the big surprise for me was VRS. They were the championship team, and they're gone. But you yeah. know, didn't didn't we say in our chat there like they're better as they're they're better as a a sponsor more than a a, a team owner? Don't you think? Like maybe it's more of a allocating money for this kind of thing, um, sponsoring instead of you know running as a thing as a brand uh, for for a team. Well, they, we just announced they're sponsoring the NIS broadcast, uh, so they may just be shifting their resources more to sponsoring series in, instead of even just drivers. And the McLaren is so cool that McLaren is part of it. I think that's awesome. I wonder if Williams brought them, like because Williams Esports is there, um, you know, maybe we see a couple more. I think it's it, McLaren's more is, is getting involved in IndyCar too, right? Like that's it. They're coming more of a North American brand uh, with some of the stuff that they're trying to do. So coming over and doing this kind of helps, uh, helps that. Right. So you're going to be seeing the black and orange cars out there now on the track McLaren colors. And as far as that goes, um, the guy who's in charge of that team, his name is Nathan Tag. I found him on the Twitter today and his post was, hey, who should we be looking at from the Coke drivers to hire? And he was taking, uh, you know, feedback from Twitter. I told him, uh, hey, let's look at um, Isaac Gann, man. He's hot right now. And we didn't really dive deep into it with our guests because they, there's just not a lot of information they can give out yet. Uh, but with sources say they're definitely right in deep into the free agency period right now and all the contracts are starting to to get lined up the i's dotted and the uh and the t's crossed and so we'll probably get a lot of those announcements next week well we already have one that came in right before the show and that was uh wood brothers they announced their drivers garrett lowe and john gorlinski yeah which is uh you know, it's interesting. Isn't Wood Brothers always seem to be the first one that seems to be jump on and announce? They were last quickly? year, yeah. Like, I, it just seems like I think we were doing it like last minute, just before the show last year too. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's a good uh, good pickups uh, to start off for uh, Wood Brothers there. It's really good to see that they're in sim racing, and if you think about, it, they're actually one of the classic teams from real NASCAR, but yet they've jumped on to the, this new form of sport. Uh, and it's just—it's also good to see how well they've been doing in real racing. They kind of come back from really having to scale back a few years ago. Well, and this is kind of a—do we call it a, a less riskier investment type thing? Like, I don't know—I don't know what the return is on this product from. Um, you know, a money standpoint, but well, they're not spending half a million a car. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it's it's a less risky um, 
easier for some someone small to to absorb like that's why like a william byron's in this as a single owner entity right like it, he he doesn't have to pay for a car he's not like kyle bush where he's running his own race team right he's running a virtual race team which seems to be a little bit easier and their run wood brothers could you know maybe even who knows maybe maybe the wood brothers have a, a affinity for for some racing too we you, i've never i've never heard anything about it but it, you know maybe they just really like the sim racing world so uh one neat tweet from malik ray uh today he said this is so exciting i love seeing all my homeboys eat man i'll hear somebody's contract numbers and just start yelling because i'm happy for them sounds like uh, these guys are getting paid more than uh they were before reading between the lines i was gonna say so he's sad one week because of not having the right setups so the next week he's happy for money for his for for his competitors well, people are able to feel the same you know he's human he doesn't have to be a machine. i guess yeah yeah i'm just saying it, it's it's obviously he's not getting to compete in it but he's you know his friends are all competing it like i said they're they've all competed in this series for over the years so when you got one in and some guys that are in and drop out it's it's a little difficult to see but at least he's uh classy enough to show um his gratitude for his uh fellow uh fellow friend his friends also wouldn't be surprised if he was willing to walk back his his statement about setups based and just say he was venting at a time when he was upset i know i've said plenty of things when i was pissed off so in the interest of time we're going to jump around here uh brian uh imza is back yeah guys um so imza imza and uh gamers are going to compete someday in identical lmp2 cars at the daytona uh track so uh so it looks like this Sunday they're going to hold a special event uh, where some actual real drivers are going to be uh, racing in competition with some of the gamers. And uh, so, yeah, this should be a really cool, cool event. Yeah, they're this calling it the preseason invitational. This is really cool, but I wish they would bring in the multi-class element. So especially so some of these people in, in this multi-class racing that I've been running would see how it's actually supposed to be done. Yeah, I agree with you, David. Like they... The, the whole thing, the lure about watching IMSA, IMSA is the different class and classes to um, uh, race against, too. Like, it's if there's a strategy to to be getting around the slower cars and and for the slower cars to, to run the track properly, but, you know, not lose as much time as they can when they're being passed by a faster car. Like, I would like to be able to actually visually, you know, watch that and see, you know, that's why we watch the the actual IMSA series is because of the multi-class. Okay, and with that, we're going to jump to podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget, we have a different podcast called The Aftermath with Chris and the Two Tonys. Check them out. Um, we have a new website. Don't forget to leave comments, guys. Uh, you can comment on these show notes and tell us what you think. I'd love to hear some feedback about uh, what you guys think of our show notes. Uh, a lot of effort has gone into those, and they do, they do look fantastic. Uh, don't forget, we're also video streaming, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, Greg is uh, putting on quite a show where you can actually see our faces as we record this podcast. So check that out, too. And with that, we're going to go to hardware software. David. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. 
This guy is definitely a kind of, I don't know, it's almost like if you were to cross me and Tony, because it's a do-yourself rig, but there's a drum set over there, and I don't know if y'all know, but if you listen to our, our podcast theme, that's me playing the drums. So, yeah, this is pretty cool. This guy took a an actual old drum rig. He's got his new one sitting there, which is set up with double bass pedals and uh, a good set of three cymbals and the hi-hat. But on the other side, he has his wheel and monitor mounted on drum rack gear. Well, that's awesome, because this is about all I could do with a drum kit. <laughs> I think, you know, if we looked at some of the, like, at one point on my rig, I had different uh, I had different consoles and things like that. Like just to have it, it's obviously his multitasked room for what he uh, um, he does all his stuff in one room, kind of like we do all our our man caves, right? Yeah, he also has the guitar over there uh, as well. Um, drum rack gear is sturdy uh, because drums, whether they're electric or real, you hit them. And sometimes you hit them really hard, so they've they've got to be able to take a pounding. Well, I, it kind of reminds me of you use what you got, you know. And um, if you don't have the funds to buy the the proper stuff, you you look around the house and you're like, hmm, hey, maybe that'll work. Yeah, there ain't no rules unless as long as it's functional. Well, as long as it works, that's cool. Need some Crocs for that uh, that roller chair though. <laughs> now talking about functional how about this next rig review tony oh dang look at that my name's on it and everything so this guy's uh showing off the solution to keep the pedals anchored to his chair so that would be matt densham uh yeah i've seen this one um this one's kind of been popping up all over uh it's been showing up on my facebook quite a bit and hey <laughs> it's uh He's basically fashioned uh, an, a really thick three-quarter inch piece of plywood to um, cleverly wrap and lock onto his chair, and it you know, extends out about three, four feet. It has his pedals attached right to it. Uh, yeah, this is much better looking than uh, a set of Crocs. Um, what if your wife wants to jump in on the same rig? I was just, I was thinking the same thing. I was like. Now he just needs to come up with the adjustability. Uh, I guess you can move the pedals. That would be a way to do it, is have the pedals move instead of the the actual chair moving back and forth. Because obviously you want your visual distance from them. But I guess everybody's wheel distance changes too when you're you're moving all that stuff in together, right? Yeah, yeah, just uh, crank out the router, uh, throw a couple lines... uh, slap piece of wood inside there as a stopper and you got whatever uh you can put those pedals wherever you want they're not going to move yeah it's a good solution it, it it is missing that adjustability though the way it is at the way as it looks now I, I just think to to route out the or to cut out with a, maybe a jigsaw or something to get that perfect the way it flips uh obviously clips in he probably uses the desk for obviously more than just sim racing so that's why he's got it the way he is so you can take the chair out and do things with it uh, that's not simulated. Yeah, the plywood, it, you know, is like a, a foot wide, but uh, where the where it attaches to the chair, he's got a, a notch cut out where he can slide the chair in and out of the piece of plywood, and uh, and you can even see there's a there's a, a a notch thing down below that wraps around one of the legs to further secure it. So pretty cool concept. 
Tony, are the uh, Crocs in trouble with this type of thing showing up? It's the dream for the Crocs. Uh, nope, nope, because there's always going to be lazy asses out there that don't want to put <laughs> this kind of work into it. So uh, kudos <laughs> to them. Crocs live on. Imagine if you set it up and then you decide you're just one inch too far back or forward. Oh, <laughs> you, <laughs> that is like so common. It's not even funny. At least it is for me. Okay, next up is the SimTag Hydraulic two-pedal set racer edition. This is from Belgium. Um, they are Tilton 600 forged aluminum two-pedal floor mount assembly with an up to 120 kilogram maximum pressure for 1,489 pounds. And boy, these are a beauty, guys. I'd want a clutch, though. Well, it doesn't look like... Yeah, they have... It's a three system. Yeah, so apparently they offer both. This is the racer edition, I think, that was just the two. But, man, the price on the three uh, pedal one, 3,012 euros. They have a whole bunch of different... I'm just on the website here showing everybody, but they have a bunch of different designs that come up with different... Uh, they have silver edition, Ultimate. black edition. Like, yeah, there's different... The ultimate black edition I, that seems to be the, the top of the line which you were saying the three thousand uh euros now the one that's the two pedal racer editions farther down the page 1489 euros i think they are like really like they really look nice uh as a as a set to uh depending on what you got but a two pedal hydraulic system for 1400 euros that's pretty steep plus trying to you know if you're in north america shipping it over um i don't know uh to be it, there'd be some weight to it so it'd be some expense to try and get it over uh they even offer a hydraulic handbrake 592 euros got a quick hit next on this next one we've got an h pattern shifter out of japan that's uh, called the frex shifter uh it looks like it's pretty easy to strap on to an to 80 20 rig uh, or so and uh the price point 480 that's a little on the higher side for an ace pattern but uh not for frex ah okay but what's interesting is you can get along with it you can get this thing called sim synchro and it'll actually lock it in gear unless you're pressing the clutch Ooh. i love the uh, the the design of it um the shifter kind of goes into it doesn't come out of the top of the box. It goes into the side of the box, which is kind of unique. Probably gives gives it some design advantages that eliminate some of the problems with reading that some of our other shifters have. I'm wondering if it's kind of just um, if it's swiveling on a inside there. It's kind of like it, it's it's pulling a, something one way uh, when you pull it back or forward. Well, I guess it's forward and back. The other way, if you're looking at the H pattern on it, um, it it's definitely a different design. Um, to, it, it's got to be the way it slots in the H pattern, the way they, they've done it. But it, it, it would be like the same thing as a, a transmission in a car would be, though. It's the, for, the, the whatever the, the, the forks are what move the, the gear there. So whatever it has in that pattern, um, you know, it's kind of just a, it's just an interest a different design it, it is the first one we've seen um from the back of it looks like it's actually at the back of the 
um, shifter. Or right. It looks case, rock right? solid too. I would hope you can disable the the synchro option though if you if you got it because for example in the cup cars they slam shift they don't clutch. Yeah, that would be bad if that doesn't isn't able to be disabled. You know. Yeah. So this is a new design for 2021 uh, that they just released, and uh, these guys are out of Japan, I think. Okay, and next we're going to results. Let's uh, talk about what we uh, raced this week. Uh, who's first? David, Euro Sprint. is. Uh, well, you've been running out a bunch. Well, yeah, you know, anytime I get the, the vacations, uh, I run a lot of races. So I ran a lot of Watkins Glen. Um, uh, it's a pretty good track, fun track, but it's never been one that I've had a whole lot of success at because everybody else knows it so well, too. Right, that the competition is really tough, but I picked up my first ever win there uh, with one of the aliens right behind me. He did have trouble, you know, but that's you, if you're there to take advantage of it, you take advantage of it. And that was the first time that was the first win actually for the whole team. So I set I set the trend for the whole team on New Year's Day. In fact, it was New Year's night, the last race I ran, I, be, I believe. Um, and it was also the first time in any car that I've ever won at Watkins Glen. I was then, surprised when you told me that. I, that that was your first win at that track. Well, and then I followed it up the next day and taking a GT uh, win uh, to get the second win for the team. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a second and a first that day at Watkins Glen. And I think that's the first time in uh, a GT car. I've Well, it was the first time I won at Watkins Glen in a GT car, but that was the... I've won in every GTE car in the last... Uh, I want to say four or five weeks that I've raced the uh, Euro Series. I've won in every one of the all the G- GTE cars. So I said to David, I got to get the uh, LMP2 and the LMP1 now wins. Go get it. Uh, yeah, so I ran Class A fixed. Wow. Surprise. Uh, no, my friend Steve Luau and our teammate uh, asked me to run with him. And I said, why not? Let's try it. So it was Rockingham. Uh, man, I was pumped i did 20 laps practice actually which is unusual for me um but lap two i hit the wall pretty hard i was trying too hard and um it was a horrible race after that because the car was just junk um steve Allen, uh, who ran with me in the same split he got a p7 i ended up p21 uh hermie sadler was in the race I always love racing hermie uh we'll move to league and hosted next uh so uh, unofficial uh, we'll talk about that uh, hosted Chris McGuire uh, host up um, in the in the hosted section almost every night uh, fun races they're usually like Michigan with some weird car and he usually makes uh, where you have to pit once but it's like a 15 lap or 20 lap race uh, so this time it was the MX5s at Michigan it was a blast. Um, had a great time. You can go four or five, six wide with EMX-5s at the Michigan Oval. Uh, super fun package. Um, thanks to Chris. I, I, I enjoy uh, just jumping into his races uh, in the hosted. When I'm just looking for something, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night to, to run. Uh, you can always count on a good race uh, from Chris. So check that out and host it, guys. I also ran the UMPs at Lima Land, uh, trying to learn some dirt. Um, and then I ran a uh, another hosted race that David Childhouse, uh, who's a, fa- a streamer, uh, put up. And it was the Kia 
at Vegas and uh, in the ovals and he made it real foggy and dark and we had the, the headlights on and uh, it was a fun race. Uh, a lot of heavy hitters in there. And I don't remember where I finished, but it was fun. We actually covered his video a couple of weeks ago on tire saving. Mm-hmm. And he runs with us in the winter series. Right. And talking about winter league, I ran Legends on Monday night at The Rock P14. It was lots of fun. Uh, ran the tires off uh, a lot. I had only 4% left on the first set. Um, and it was a race to see who would not be last, for me anyway. Um, when when you have all those heavy hitters uh, in most tracks, I'm fighting for last place, basically. Uh, but it's still a good time. And then the cup car, uh, David, uh, I'm also usually fighting for last. Uh, I got P20 uh, in the cup car. It was one caution. Uh, from there, I did a two-stopper when everyone else did a one-stopper. Um, mainly because I was running the tires off. I didn't think I could make it on a one-stopper on the tires. Um, but that really put me back. I was down a lap or two at the end. Uh, Tyler Hudson won. Uh, fun to ru- race with Elliot and Hermie Sadler. Uh, both were in the race. Um, and then, David, you had a great run. Yep. Remember last week I said I'm never listening to Mike on a strategy call again? <laughs> well... That paid off because he was like, hey, you probably should split it into two. And I was like, uh, you do you. I, I stretched. I already knew that I was within one one uh, pit stop. And interestingly, I was closer than I thought because we really had to do some fuel saving. Um, was I had good long run speed. After the first caution, I had made it up to P11. Got a speeding penalty under the under the caution. Had to go all the way back to the back. So I did come on, come on in and top off the fuel. And started in the back with Elliot right in front of me. And that's when we had that, that long run. And Elliot had been just a hair faster than me. He was always about two or three seconds in front of me through that whole first run. So I wasn't expecting to really catch him so quick. I catch him in like two laps and he's like, go on by. And at that point I was like, hmm, what's up with that? And then I noticed on JRT that it's telling me I'm going to have to stop twice again instead of once. Because once we got back green, we're burning up we're burning up the fuel a little bit faster. So I went ahead and ran it. It kind of balanced out a little bit better as the tires got older and and ended up equaling out uh and uh finished ended up finishing p8 elliot was right in front of me in p7 we both finished on fumes i had i think 0.2 gallons or no 0.04 gallons was left in the tank when i crossed the line uh and just an, an interesting thing he talked about who won we got four races left in the season and right now Derek justice is the points leader Christian Standler sitting in third, and um, this guy named David Hall is sitting in fifth. Wow, that's great! Uh, fifth in uh, in that series, that's great. Don't choke, David. Oh, I already have once. I didn't have a very good race at Texas. Well, it probably helped that Derek uh, Justice, the points leader, and uh, Adam De Blasio, who I think is maybe second. They both were the first caution, and they both had trouble in that race at Kentucky. Yeah, that was two free spots there. Ty Ipolato, who was ahead of me in the points last week, also, uh, he put him, he got into something. I don't remember if it was a solo spin or, or a wreck, but he got he got into one that, that ended uh, bad. And I don't know what Tony's laughing at, but I hope it's not something I said. Uh, uh, I was going to say, David, is there any road courses left? Uh, not in that series. They didn't pick a road course all season. <laughs> okay, you're fine then. You won't choke. No, well done. All right, let's talk OBRL Atlanta, Brian. P2 OBRL 
Yeah, so uh, uh, back-to-back best losers, uh, P2 at uh, OBRL. Um, it was Atlanta, um, and uh, I started in P6 and almost immediately dropped back to, to P10 um, just because I know Atlanta. Uh, I know we usually get long green flag runs, so I was just going to save tires and uh, see how that worked out. And man, sure did. Um, I, st- I dropped back to 10th, and by the time uh, the first uh, green flag pit stops came at lap 40, I was in fourth place already. So um, the saving tires really, really went a long way in that race. Um, you know, uh, we had got uh, some more good runs after that, and wound up making it up to p2 so uh yeah i was really happy with that finish uh it was a great race so with that i always like to say when you're p2 what would you do differently to get that one last spot how do you get p1 um i think the well the part of the problem was that um the the eventual winner um is um he just he started up front and he uh he his tires didn't fall off that much but um it took me too long to get through from 10th to second and you know by the time it by the time it takes to get through all the traffic he had opened up such a lead that you know even if i was a little faster earlier in a run um at towards the end but um i was using up my stuff and he could save because he had that cushion and uh yeah, but I don't know how I could have fixed that. To be honest with you, better qualifying. Yeah, you could. Yeah, qualifying would have helped. I wouldn't have dropped as far back if I if I took it easy at the beginning, maybe. But he's he's a really good driver. It was Eddie Jones. His backpack wins. He's won four out of six races in the ARCA series, so he's just a really good driver. And um, you almost got to hope he messes up to to beat him. <laughs> Yeah, even okay. though I don't qualify, I go. Uh, even though I don't qualify well, I go ahead and qualify because it's just less uh, tires you have to use up at the beginning of the race. Hey, Brian. Right. Yeah. Brian, I was gonna say uh, Eddie Jones is uh, the guy that I competed with when I ran that Arca series with in the OBRL the one season. He was def- he's definitely one of the top drivers in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he's gotten better and better as time gone has gone on. He's got better equipment too. He was running like a, an old Thrustmaster or something, and he's he's updated, upgraded to uh, direct drive stuff. So he's uh he's he's definitely invested in his stuff, and he's just getting better and better. Then we have the aftermath truck series at most sport P12. Yeah, that I was terrible. To be honest with you. Um, <laughs> It was a deal where I didn't have enough time to practice. I've never even raced on most most sport before, so um, I didn't have enough time to practice, and I didn't want to skip the race because I would have been forfeiting all my points. So um, I hopped in. You know, I had I just kept having trouble at that uh, double that double uh, double hairpin. I think it's called Moss Turn, and uh, just had a little trouble getting through that without. Um, without locking up my wheels when I was dropping down in gear and I spun out that corner like three times uh, but after I got into the race and I got my uh, shifting points down better um, I was actually not too bad and if I didn't mess up so many times I think I probably would have would have finished some, uh, pretty decent but I just didn't have time to practice really and I just didn't want to miss the race my home track Okay, and then we have the Nationwide Series, OBRL, Talladega. Uh, Groves, we'll start with you, P21. (laughs) You should have started with Brian. Uh, We covered this uh, 
quite a bit on the aftermath um, this past weekend. Uh, first, everything was going kind of to plan till the first pit stop, and then it just completely fell apart. Um, I was leading the pack coming into our first uh, round of pit stops, and I had the very first pit stall coming up, so I guess they say the last pit stall. So I was like, I'll go left, uh, scales goes right, and we just, um, you know, stagger through the back. I went way too far left, clipped the wall. Chris went way too far right, took out the cone. Uh, his penalty matched the damage uh, that I took coming off the, the wall. Uh, Tony, he got it with, got some issues. And then, um, yeah, Brian, I can't remember what happened with, with Brian, but we, none of us survived that pit stop very well. Actually, uh, I... I was the only one who didn't have any issues in the pit stalls, no penalties or nothing. But when I came out, I had nobody with me and I was just all by myself and just couldn't do anything. You know, you just see the, the pack coming closer and closer every lap until you get swallowed up and, uh, you know, you're dead lapped down by that point And, you know, there's really no, nothing you could do. Yeah, it's devastating yeah. when you don't have somebody to come off pit road with at that restrictor plate, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was still a great race, fun-wise. I, I had a great time with those races with, with all the guys from Tavosi. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. GridFinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. All right, final thoughts. Let's start with Brian McCubbin. Well, guys, uh, I just uh, installed my new Christmas present. I got a um, uh, the Sim Experience G Belt. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I haven't even had it set up yet. I've been so busy lately. Um, now, when I went to order that um, the the G Belt, you they did not have the universal mount. I don't have a G seat which has the holes drilled for it already. Now, it does come with a template that says if you have a hard back seat. You can attach it, and I have the uh, an NRG a Prisma seat, which is a fiberglass back, and uh, use the template, drill the holes, and man, it works perfect. It fit fit just right. Um, you know, I had to had to pull the padding off the seat to get the bolts through the back of the seat, but um, I was able to get all that back in place. Okay, so mount wise, um, if you guys have a, a NRG uh, Prisma seat, you do not need that um, that universal mount kit. And uh, the universal mount kit actually attached to the seat attaches to the seat rails at the bottom, so the belts go all the way from the bottom up through the holes in your seat and back down to your clasp in front of you. And it doesn't, uh, you know, in my opinion, that probably doesn't work that well because you're pulling downward uh, as opposed to pulling straight back as you would with the where where it's mounted directly uh, behind the seat. So it's all set up. It's uh, and ready to go. I just have not had time to uh, load all the software and uh, to make adjustments for it yet. So I'll keep you posted on that. 
Wow, you have really stepped up your uh, equipment game. Motion and now the, the seat belt. Uh, boy, that's awesome. We're all so jealous. Right. <laughs> he's, he's putting the pressure on me. That's right. That, you got to get for that motion. Dude. Well, you know, I, I went and looked up a. I looked at Barry's site, and he's got a review for the four, but he hasn't he hasn't tried the five out yet. So I, I'm not I'm not sure if I want to go that route or go motion. I could give you some pointers as far as uh, platform because you have a eighty twenty, right? Yes. All right. Well, if you want, I can give you some information on a platform system um, that's fairly reasonable as far as motion goes. We'll see. My car's starting to act up, so I might be buying a real car with mostly cash soon. So. Okay. I guess it's my all. turn. Yeah, I start saying. I guess it's my turn. I'm actually going to throw in a topic that we had to skip because it's kind of a quick hit, and I wanted it's a little timely. Um, I did get to visit with with Christian Chandler on uh, about the GT3 balancing that we talked about last week because he he gave a listen to the show uh, and he wanted to comment. Basically, he had a reply to Mike's question about whether or not they intentionally make the new car a little bit better to increase sales, and the answer is definitely no. He did say that what tends does tend to happen is anytime there's a new car that comes out, they don't have as much information on it, and so it ha- there's a tendency for the setup gurus to be able to find the tricks a little bit easier to get to get get those cars a little bit faster. But he definitely uh, d- did everything he could, especially within his driving style, to make every car as equal as possible. Well, that makes sense. They don't have the data on it, you know, and how 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 are these. How quick are these guys going to get the setup dialed in and all that? That's all unknown when he's doing the initial balance of power, right? Yeah. So it's just anytime there's a new car, the only data they have is the real-life data. And, and there are always going to end up being a couple of things that just behave differently when you when you get into the, into the real race. So uh, that's uh, my final thoughts. Okay, Greg Hectus. Uh, just... Uh... <laughs> been busy here on uh doing the broadcast uh for the show here and following chat and everything um but uh i look forward to uh, getting some racing done this week and i haven't i haven't even been on the sim all week uh, i know david's been pushing me to to get on and do some practicing and stuff like that and get racing um one of the things before we before uh i'm done here uh i did look back at the formula the the delara iro one the racetrack that was the week before i don't know if David, it was at uh, Nuremberg, but it was the Grand Prix circuit. So I don't. That's a pretty popular track, I thought. Uh, no, the numbers are lower there compared to like when you're in in Watkins Glen or 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 Monza. Uh, like the M, M, when M's is at Monza, there's two, three hundred, four hundred people registering prime time. When when we're Nuremberg when they're at Nuremberg GP, GP, sometimes it's only a single split, even even at prime time. Isn't that track double price a regular track? That's uh, the big one. Well, there's the Nur- Nurburgring is the big track, Nurm- and it's not Nuremberg. It's Nurburgring GP is the little track, and I think there's I think the big track is a separate purchase from the GP track. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. Um, anyways, just to finish up there. Um, yeah, I'm. I think uh, David, you were saying that we. Uh, over our chat there, we kind of got penalized for uh, our M-Tech race a, a couple weeks ago, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, uh, hopefully we can do something about it, maybe protest it or something. But uh, I don't think we were in the wrong, but uh, 
Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to getting some more uh, races in, like I said, this weekend. And uh, uh, hopefully you said there was some uh, major stuff this weekend too, right, David? Yeah, the uh, the week, race week for the 2.4 starts with with what's called support races that you can and you can run all three of them. They're in three different time zones, but you can run all of them and they count towards practice laps. Uh, and for a while, the winner got to automatically be in the top split as well. But I think they did away with that. Well, I'll look forward to it, um, and we'll see uh, from that. But uh, yeah, um. Uh, I'm enjoying the broadcast here, working with it. So hopefully uh, everybody else that's watching it can uh, visit Twitch and Facebook and then obviously go back. You can go back later. after It is live on YouTube as well, but can go back later and watch it uh, um, its entirety. Uh, it's archived there, so you can always go back and watch it and see what we're seeing and um, while we're talking about it. Okay, Tony Groves, final thought. All right. I guess a couple things happened. We uh, did another episode of Aftermath this Saturday, so if you haven't downloaded it, check it out. Um, and I was actually uh, putting some laps in at a road course. Uh, planning uh, on... Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, been in this car in like two years, but uh, the fun team is uh, going to put the Ferrari in the 24 hours and see what happens. I think we're... We're still looking for another guy or two, so we don't have to park it for three hours while we commentate on the ladies of iRacing uh, race that weekend. But that uh, yeah, should be fun nonetheless. I might end up on that team. We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, glad to see you back on the road. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's off season. I'm looking forward to NIS. I, I think I say that every week. But I dibbled into that uh, fixed uh, a uh, a fixed um, because I'm in, I intend to run NIS fixed this year. Uh, Steve Llewellyn and I are going to team up uh, and run fixed. Uh, he's going to try to run as many as he can. I'm probably going to run Sunday nights based on my schedule um, and just do a one start a week uh, with the fixed. Um, the sets are better than they were before, guys. Uh, I racing. Don't forget they've changed how they're doing fixed setups now. They're competitive. They got some great, great people on staff that really know what they're doing. And uh, the the setup, you know, you know, Steve said, hey, let's try it and see what you think of the set. And the set was good when we went to Rockingham. I wasn't pushing, it wasn't too loose. It was neutral, but it was fast. And um, I was impressed. So I'm looking forward to running NIS fixed as well as NIS open. I think open is still the the goal, but we're going to run uh, fixed as well for fun. So, and with that, we'll see you on the track. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.